Hello, I'm Alexandra Sagade. I'm excited to be hosting the inaugural season of Visual Aid's new podcast. If you aren't familiar, Visual Aids is a New York City-based nonprofit organization that utilizes art to fight AIDS by provoking dialogue, supporting HIV-positive artists, and preserving a legacy, because AIDS is not over. Founded in 1988, Visual Aids is the only contemporary arts organization fully committed to raising AIDS awareness and fostering dialogue around HIV issues today by producing and presenting visual art projects, exhibitions, public forums, and publications, while assisting artists living with HIV AIDS. For the next four weeks, we'll be talking about Strip AIDS 2020, a series of four newly commissioned comics that have just launched online at visualaids.org comics. Comics, as a visual and accessible medium, have long been used as educational tools in the fight against HIV and AIDS, providing life-saving information about safer sex practices and representing communities and perspectives often erased from public health narratives. These four new commissions by Jay Amaro and A. Andrews, Carlo Quispe, Mel Rachu, and Inez Isierda and Cleo Sadi aim to continue this legacy of using comics to bring attention to the AIDS pandemic and to work against stigma by sharing the experiences of people living with HIV. The comics were selected from an open call as part of the Visual AIDS forthcoming exhibition curated by UK-based artist Paul Samet. This exhibition was due to open in summer 2020 and will be the next in Visual AIDS' long tradition of annual exhibitions organized with guest curators. To celebrate the release of these projects, we've invited each of the artists to be in conversation with fellow AIDS activists and artists to discuss some of the themes and issues that are tackled in their work. We're starting off by jumping straight into Just a Pill by artists Jay Amaro and A. Andrews and looking at a question that they pose in their comic, What Does Living Well Look Like for People with HIV? Through illustration and narrative, they trouble the assumption that all it takes is a pill a day. Joining them is activist and assistant program director for the community housing and advocacy organization Housing Works, Johnny Guadalupe. All right, so uh, I'm Johnny Guadalupe, um, uh, a native New Yorker. I've uh, been working with an um, uh, HIV organization called Housing Works for about 15 years. Um, I'm living with HIV as well, diagnosed at the age of 17. Um, and yeah, I've been doing like just HIV work and activism for, for a very long time. Um, and I'll share my age right now. I'm 39. So it's been about 20, 22 years that I've been living with HIV. Um, Jay, you want to let us know who you are? Sure. Um, well, my name is Jay Amaro. Um, I am by trade, a social worker. So I'm a licensed social worker in the state of Minnesota. Um, and I am sort of sitting very comfortably after about five years of working in, in HIV uh, prevention and risk reduction um, sort of work. I started um, a couple of years ago in just like some sort of direct care services, like pseudo case management in, in an aid service organization um, uh, called Just Us Health in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, and from there, sort of transitioned to supervising a team of um, outreach advocates um, who do HIV testing and uh, also uh, staff and manage the syringe exchange um, in, in Minneapolis. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, a? 
Uh, I'm A. Andrews. Um, I also work for Just Us Health uh, out in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I do uh, care linkage, so uh, mostly like we call it triage work for folks who are out of care or uh, newly diagnosed, things like that, um, and getting them connected to all the services that they'd be eligible for. Um, I'm also a cartoonist and a comic artist um, for I've been an artist for a number of years now. So um, that's kind of a little bit of my background. Um, and so today we're going to be talking about Just a Pill, which is a comic book that JNA created. Um, so, you know, I was reading over the comic. I've read it actually a few times and it's pretty awesome. Um, I, I always find that, you know, um, using comic books to, to you know, uh, send the prevention, HIV prevention message um, is, is so cool because it just hits so many different people, all sorts of different ages. Can you tell me a little bit about um, just the comic book? Like, how did you, you know, what, what made you both um, create a comic book around HIV prevention? Sure. Yeah, um, I'll jump into that one. So A actually is is the only comic between the two of us. I've never really been um, in that sort of scene. Also, I'm not really a creative person um, by nature. Um, I don't have an artistic bone in my body outside of like being a classically trained musician. So I guess I'm lying about that. <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> um, so um, Outside, aside from like us working together, um, well, A came across this um, this project with Visual Aids um, and thought it would be really cool for us to collaborate together. Um, and and um, aside from from talking about prevention, I thought it was a really cool opportunity um, for me to get out a narrative that I personally have been sort of sitting with for the last couple of years because I'm also living um, living with HIV and I have been for the last six years um, since I was 20. Um, and, and when A came to me about this project, it kind of, um, re put back to the surface, this idea of like living well, um, with, with HIV, um, which, which for me is a pretty, pretty convoluted question of how does somebody living with HIV live well? And that's kind of like where the ball got, got started with that. Um, I don't know if A has other things to add with that or... Sure. No, I, I, I think you said it really well. I, I was really drawn to the idea of working with Jay on this project because I um, knew it It for sure was never going to be my project or my project to tell alone, my story to tell alone. Um, and I was really driven to kind of connect with Jay on that more like human level of, of using like a personal story to to like fit into a, the really large framework of, of everything that kind of ties into a lot of the prevention uh, work that we're doing in HIV today. Um, and I didn't think that that could really be told without um, having this really personal touch to it. So um, it was just an opportunity to collaborate with somebody who I really admire and respect working with. So it was really fun and cool. Oh, that's beautiful. That's, that's really cool. So tell me, before we get to like the narrative, like why did you, you know, why Just a Pill? Why, yeah, why the title Just a Pill? Um, I, think, I, I think for me, so uh, I'm not living with HIV, but I'm a, a disabled person working in HIV. And um, so much of the concept of living well now is, is all the just 
you know, like you, you just have to go to the doctor, you just have to get a pill, you, you just have to stay in care. And um, all of those things are so true, but you know, like they're very, they can be very loaded. There can be a lot of things in the way, um, or there can be a lot of things that make that feel either impossible or very difficult to like just do, you know? Um, and it can feel really disheartening to have folks like coming at you and telling you all you got to do to deal with this thing that you're kind of having a hard time dealing with is this really simple thing. Um, and so I, from my perspective of it was, was to kind of tackle the, the kind of hopeless feeling by like talking about that hopeless feeling of like, well, there's like a lot of experiences uh, that come with like the potential for an HIV diagnosis or that come with an HIV diagnosis, um, depending on who you are and where you are and what your life experience is. Um, and so I really wanted to like, just kind of honor that, that that's a ride in and of itself is to get through um, the various things that are going on in your life and, and then move towards that just a pill part or however you want to care for yourself and, and your diagnosis. Um, so that was it for me and like my interest in it. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Jay has their own kind of perspective on it as well. Yeah, I have a, I have a very personal take on it. Um, just because I'm, I'm pretty open about my status living with HIV because as somebody who's also like on the dating scene, you have to be kind of open with it um, and pretty, pretty prepared at all times to sort of self-disclose if, if you're trying to actually like get somewhere with somebody. Um, so I get, I get the same sort of like three reactions overall. Um, I get people who are pretty concerned about their own health and well-being, which is fine. I, I try not to take that too personally. Um, but overall, I think the, the biggest reaction that I get is that um, I get this overwhelming sense of relief for, for my own sake because of the way that medications come um, so far over the last like 10, 20 years um, to a point where um, it is it is just a pill for a lot of people, even myself included. Now I am on a single pill regiment myself. Um, and And for them to sort of take that single narrative, that single fact that we've gotten so far medically to being just a single pill in a way erases all of my struggles or any struggles that I could have had over the last six years trying to come to terms with having to take the medication, with having to take the pills that I am taking or I have taken before. And, and I don't have a single doubt in my mind that every person living with HIV kind of struggles with that narrative as well. Um, some people might be closer to accepting it as like, yes, it is just a pill for me. And that's, that's all it is. And that's great. But for a lot of people, there's still that struggle that they had to go through. There's still all of, all of the, um, the hoops that they had to jump through in order to get to a point where they can say, yes, it's, it's just a pill for me. And that's all it is. Um, and there are even more people who are currently struggling or in the middle of a struggle trying to get to that point. Um, so, so we wanted, I, I, I thought going in the direction of naming this just a pill kind of opens that door to sort of have that conversation with people who might open a conversation with that narrative. Um, and to sort of bring it into perspective that there's more to it than just a pill. Um, there's um, struggles with um, housing, there's struggles with health insurance, there's struggles with um, relations, uh, family relations, relationship with friends and partners. 
um, their struggles with substance use and, and the list can just continue to go on forever um, with how many, how many things a single person can struggle with before getting to a point where it is just a pill for them. Yeah, I totally understand. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I remember being 17 and being told, um, this was in 1998, being told, like, you know, you have to take, like, a number of, like, pills. And, like, you know, and it took me a while to just say, it's just a pill. Let me just, like, take this. This is going to help me. Um, you know, thankfully, I'm undetectable. Um, and, um, yeah, and I can see it as just a pill. But but I think that as we start diving into the 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 comic um, and, and start like, you know, hearing about the narrative, we'll see also that, that for some people, it, it's not just a pill also, um, you know, it's so many other things like you mentioned, Jay. Um, and as you um, uh, uh, nicely drew a um, in, in the comic. So, so yeah, let's, let's go into the comic book. Like, tell me what's, what's, what's going on with this young person. Um, uh, I see that the person is, uh, thinking about getting a test and it seems like they're talking to some friends at a bar yeah so it actually follows my story of, of finding out um so it, it's it's very very personal when we talk about it being a personal narrative it's very personal wow <laughs> um, okay yeah and and even i i highly highly appreciate a in the way that they depicted my story because it's it's almost exact to the letter um so for the people that you see in the in the first few panels or the first panel um, where I'm sort of at a bar contemplating getting tested. That was the first conversation that I ever had about getting tested. Um, and, and in that picture, it has me and a couple of my best friends, or one of my best friends, and also um, my ex, who I was dating at the time. Um, and, then, and then for the, the first like couple pages, it goes through my story of um, finding out that I'm positive and then going through the the traumatic experience of of what I had to go through um, when getting my results um, um, which um, sorry um, getting my results uh, going into my university's health center um, which was not at all prepared to give any of these kinds of results to a person and then being let go home after somebody, a receptionist gives me my results printed out to me and then, and then it kind of spiraling down from there. That's yeah. You would think that you would like that you would get some sort of support and you'll be able to speak to someone and, you know, and not just like let you go. I, I know like for myself with the work that I do and, you know, if I have to give results to a young person, like I want to make sure that the environment is comfortable, it's, it's safe. And, and I want to make sure that this young person knows that they can come back to, to, to me or to, to like the program that I work for, um, for like additional resources, but making sure that they also have like a support system that they can go back to. I mean, it's, it's, was this the case, Jay? Well, we eventually got to that point. Um, so after I actually got home, my the doctor that I that was giving me the results called me back and told me to go back into the clinic. And then we had that conversation. Um, but it made it so much worse having to just get my results printed out to me, letting me go home because I thought that I was negative, which is why I, I assumed that they let me go home because the results were fine. So I totally brushed it off. Um, and then we got to the point of talking about supports and then getting into treatment and going through the next steps. Um, and, and it's, it's sort of drawn well in the comic that after that point, 
Um, everything kind of like went pretty smoothly. Um, met with my doctor, got my medications. Um, I was lucky enough that the, the virus didn't progress too far for myself. Um, so after a few months, I was undetectable and then went on with my, my life um, going through college and, and um, just like living, I, um, what was the word? Trivial and like in a pretty, tri- like pretty normal sort of sense. Nice. Hey, I mean, how, how did you like just like create the comic, like the colors and the people and like just like I see this like, you know, a little bit of blushing and the, the shadow. Like I'm not creative like that, but I see it I, like you created this. How did you come up with this? Well, for one, I, I push back on, on Jay's comment about not being a creative person. They were they were really instrumental in in being really vulnerable with me uh, and, and being willing to really talk about, you know, like, where were you emotionally? What was this like, like for you? You know, I, um, I really hate like sensationalizing a, a scenario just as much as I, as I hate not giving it enough weight. So I really wanted to kind of get, get it right. And, and they sat with me and we really like sat there and worked on like lines. Like if, if you were to say something, what were you going to say? Like, what is, what is important here? Um, and we wanted it very much to feel like it was from the perspective of, of Jay at that time, I think was really important. Um, because Jay has so much experience in the HIV world today and just in the general world around them as and it's instrumental to kind of get them back to that place of like, where were you emotionally, you know, like as a young person, like going through this thing that was really challenging for you to go through at the time. Um, because you're clearly in a space where we can talk about it now and, and maybe it was different then. So a lot of it was, um, was our ability to collaborate, you know, and, and really get to the root of what we wanted to say. Um, and from there, a lot of just the general work, uh, that we do with other, with people, you know, a lot of, a lot of our work is rooted in, in finding bigger and better ways to really reach out to as many different kinds of people as possible. And, and a lot of my dedication to any field of work, but particularly HIV work is making people feel, um, unalone in their HIV experience. Um, and I think that, you know, HIV does have, uh, a, a general kind of history that people know and, and that history isn't entirely like, um, inclusive and, and doesn't necessarily depict the full scope of what HIV looks like for different types of people. Um, and so we really thought that in using a personal framework and using a personal narrative, um, to talk about one experience that was really like hard despite technically kind of going through all the, the easy and uh-huh. proper, I'm, I'm air quoting <laughs> here, but easy and proper, you know, channels of, of what we like boast as like living well, um, even despite like all of those, those markers kind of being hit, it was a really challenging time. And, and so what we wanted to kind of like, use that narrative to kind of pivot to like what happens when there are different things in place and when there are are different scenarios to deal with. Um, 
and how does that either complicate or or help the issue you know um and so we just kind of started thinking about you know who do we serve and who do we see um and really just kind of breaking it down and trying to be really respectful and mindful of uh telling those stories in a more broad and general way and not um using those stories as though they're our own to tell. I mean, that's, that's super amazing. And, and I'm looking at page five right now um, of the comic book. I mean, I have the digital version right in front of me. And, you know, being an AIDS activist, I've done like a lot of work also, um, uh, you know, advocating for, for more funding for uh, the, you know, for the global south and like you know more money for pepfar and the global funds because we know that there's other people outside of the united states that that don't have access um to like you know the line of medication that we do have don't have that privilege and even in the u.s right now we see also this like issues around like insurance and housing that i see that 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 you both mentioned in the comic book, which I think that is is super important also because if we're, you know, talking about prevention, you know, stability um, also is prevention. You know, housing is prevention, right? Um, if we want someone to live healthy, um, they have to have some sort of stability so they can take the medication and eat um, something nutritious on a daily basis. Tell me why, why is it that you felt that like this visual was important for you? Why, why put this in a comic book? Why not like put it in a, like a status update, um, on Facebook? Why a comic book? I've, I've always like admired the, the, like, uh, a comic book's ability to share very complicated and complex, um, you know, thought and storylines and, and systems of events um, with really, in really simplistic ways that are, are broken down and really easily digestible. Um, I think that health topics specifically are just like so heavy and academic and, and draining to read and, and have some level of like morose feeling to them <laughs> so frequently um that like comics really give you this opportunity to be authentic about how like hard a, a thing can be but also just be like kind of real about how human that experience can be um it was important for me just like in sharing any kind of of health topic to talk about the just general like disparity of of our health experiences. Our experiences navigating health is just so all over the place. Um, and you know, that could be a 40 page paper. So uh, taking it all down to like the root of what we're talking about and figuring out how to kind of put it together in, in these visual and clear cut ways was a really fun challenge for me, I guess, as an artist. Um, and it was meaningful me or meaningful for me. Um, just, you know, as a, as a person that wants to find better ways to talk about these kinds of, of disparities and differences. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. I mean, you know, it's, it's just like you took everything that I've done that I'm still doing and put it all like in nine pages. I know that it's, it's the stories about Jay, but like, you know, living with HIV also, I can relate being, you know, when I was 17, being diagnosed and just like going to Catholic school, it was just like not supportive at all, being told that I was positive and just like in an empty room and that was it. Um, 
I was just left alone and like trying to figure out how I'm going to tell my grandmother that's like, you know, at home. And, and like, you know, and I have to disclose now that I'm having sex, right? And that's something that I, we haven't even got to that part. So, so I mean, I see that, um, you know, we're talking also about like just millions of people living with HIV globally. Like, Jay, like, tell me what, what, what was it that, you know, made you want to also talk about like other people outside of just like, you know, the folks that perhaps you know and that you work with? Why was that important? Well, I... One thing that I really wanted to take out of doing this project is to be able to take those those bits of of what else it means to be well out of the context of of living with HIV um, and sort of make it um, apparent for people who who aren't who aren't in the same situation who aren't in the same boat um, and and for them to sort of take a step back. Um, for the sake of of the the other people who are who are living with HIV, who are going through all of the struggles and all of the having to jump through all of the hoops in order to maintain their their health and wellness, um, and to sort of instill some sense of allyship for for other people to take away that narrative of oh well it's just a pill for you and it's so easy for you to just get into treatment and just to be undetectable. Um, and to just be healthy, um, like it's so it's so easy. Like, but that narrative for most people just isn't true. Um, but more often than not, people who aren't living with HIV don't really recognize that because they only see one side of one side of what's going on. They only see that the person is living with HIV, and they know that in order to not um, or to survive, the best way and easiest way to survive for that person is to just take their medications. Um, so that's the only sort of sense that they get. Uh, you know, we've been talking about HIV treatment, but, you know, also just a pill is just a pill, but we also, um, you mentioned prevention and prevention, not just for those that are positive, but prevention for those that are negative and staying HIV negative. And we know, you know, I know like just working in the field and I'm sure you do, um, uh, you know, that, that it's just not as easy, but there is um, now also HIV drugs that, that are, you know, can be prescribed for someone that's negative so that they can stay HIV negative. Um, and so, you know, we've had PEP um, for a long time um, that was used like in the healthcare setting for, 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 for quite some time before, um, you know, uh, also introducing it to just like the regular public um, individuals, just anyone. So tell me about PrEP and and how you decided to also include PrEP in this narrative and in this conversation. Um, so so we actually didn't really include that in, as part of our conversation. But if you if you take it out of the context, you put that in context, it kind of fits as well because it's the same narrative of uh, in prevention and treatment now. Now with, with adding PrEP and PEP into the conversation um, or into like the tool belt of prevention, because um, it's still the same idea of you take a pill a day and you prevent contracting HIV yourself or you have like a fail safe as PEP. Um, but then where do we go before we have that as an option? Um, or where do we, where, what are the steps to having that as an option? Um, then it turns into a question of who is it accessible for? How do you get it? Um, who is able to provide it for you? Um, how do you have a conversation with your doctor? How do you have a conversation with your, with your parents, uh, with your spouse, with your partners, with your friends? Um, and, it, and it turns into another one of these, well, there's all of these other steps 
that we have to take, that people have to go through um, in order to get to that point of protecting themselves and protecting ourselves and protecting other people um, before, again, it's, it's just a pill for them. Um, and then the, the conversation deepens even more with PEP, I think, because not in, in our experience, at least, um, most people who we've had conversations or I've personally have conversations with about PEP don't know that it's an option for them. Um, because their doctors don't tell them, their friends don't know, so there's there's no secondhand information, and it's not widely advertised um, the same way that PrEP is. Um, so not everybody is going to use that as an option. And then there's all of these other hoops that have to be jumped through um, in order to gain access for that. Um, having to find a doctor who also knows about PEP is 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 a pretty big one, um, especially in more more rural areas where they're not going to have that information readily available. And then the the person trying to get the medication has to self-advocate or find avenues that can advocate for them. And then it just turns into this, this whole mess of things um, where at the end of the day, they might not even get the, the prescription for it. Um, and if they do get the prescription for it, it might not be covered by their insurance. Um, and if if not, then they're stuck with a two to three thousand uh, dollar bill for this medication in order to prevent an infection that will then cost them thousands of dollars or tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars down the line potentially. Um, so it 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 kind of fits in the same narrative, um, but it isn't. It wasn't necessarily part of the focus of the comic. I mean, uh, we did we did have a brief. There, there's a brief avenue of of uh, an education piece to it. For there's a um, there's a character that we do follow that um, lacks a- education access to like uh, sec- adequate sex education and knowledge around um, PEP and prep resources, and we do end up seeing him. Um, them transition into like finding a, a youth and AIDS project, I believe that um, helps them kind of learn about those things and, and, and navigate that. And I thought that that was important um, just because even the, it, it felt like relevant that even the steps to, to learning about things in a way that's not um, stigmatized and just kind of flat out wrong um, was really super relevant to the fuller conversation of, of even being tested and things like that. Um, so often the barrier that we find to, to testing is, is just the stigma and being tested to begin with. Um, and so we did, we did follow like a a brief storyline that did, did include some, um, pep and prep kind of you equals you information, like a a kid's kind of journey to, actually finding that when all of the resources that they've been given are lacking in that department. Um, because I think that kind of also ties into that. Is it really just a pill if you have to uh, know that there's maybe something missing from the information you're being given and seek it out yourself to find it um, is a real question of, of whether or not, you know, we're getting the the care that we need around these issues and these topics. Um, and so that was, included there and and I do think that it kind of it just falls in line with those greater narratives nice nice yeah and I think that is definitely important um and again I probably like I'm so excited that I probably jumped 
jumped like down and I and I saw prep and I was like, wait, there's definitely like this this like it's like ring a bell, right? But um, one of the things that I noticed here that I don't see in a lot of like HIV education, like booklets. Um, I must say I don't see a lot of comic books. That's why I think that this is like really awesome. Um, but I do see that that you do mention like you know there's others that may be managing difficulties with like substance use. Um, housing instability and racial or gender discrimination. Tell me why, you know, I really don't don't see like substance use and gender discrimination like in most booklets. It's so important. What made you want to put this here? It, it's so relevant to what you know HIV uh, looks like today, and and who it's affecting um, has just kind of broadened and broadened bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, where a lot of people get left out of conversations, I think. Um, I think from a prevention side, you know, we we don't um, have nearly enough data on um, IV drug use and HIV. We don't have nearly enough support systems out there that that really exist and are really direct goal oriented there. And um, the challenges there specifically are are just. Um, it's kind of like you touched on earlier where, you know, what is healthcare? Housing is healthcare. Food is healthcare. And, and um, I think that, that those are communities that are very often shut out of, of that HIV conversation. Um, and I also think that uh, women and particularly black women are really, really shut out of, of the HIV, the complications of, of receiving HIV care for for women and particularly women of color is is such a complex issue uh, when we see you know black women have incredible challenges that other people just don't seem to have in accessing healthcare to begin with um, and I think that when we leave you know those stories out um, we're not getting a full picture of what living with HIV looks like today we're getting a singular picture of what HIV looks like today. And then we're keeping people from seeking care in community because they don't see community that exists, you know? Um, and so I, I think that particularly in a comic setting and something that was going to be visual representation, um, I think that there is like uh, a lot of power in being able to like visually depict that and just show, um, potentially show someone themselves in a storyline um, and elevate their story or their potential journey. Um, and, and, you know, those um, were things that we had to kind of really carefully construct to make sure that we weren't telling someone else's story in a way that took it from them, um, but rather just elevated opportunity for those stories to be told more frequently and widely. In our comics specifically, we, uh, I uh, focused on a, a woman who was navigating a health system for the first time with a, a new pregnancy. Um, and I, I did that primarily because I kind of wanted to show a lot of what we hear and see um, from folks kind of echoing to us about um, some of the just stigma that they experience from healthcare to providers specifically. Um, you know, going to get care is a really, really vulnerable and hard thing to do in the first place to reach out to a person and ask them to help you. Um, and then to have a person 
either disregard you or minimize your experience or worse to insult you or invalidate your experience is just to really, um, you want to talk about like a barrier to care, you know, going to a doctor and having a doctor essentially tell you that you don't deserve care is unimaginable to me. Um, and so we thought, you know, that it was really important to kind of shed light on, on that side of the equation too, that, that that can be an HIV experience that we don't really widely talk about. Um, but maybe we should be talking about it a lot more. The comic book is so, is so cool that, that it normalizes also these conversations uh, that need to happen uh, around HIV, right? And getting tested, right? And seeking treatment and seeking care. Um, why, um, you know, how do you feel like, you know, what's your take around stigma and, and just like uh, HIV and like the, the comic book? How do you feel like this could also normalize these kind of conversations around HIV? Well, I think just having these conversations in um, as many mediums as possible just sort of goes in that direction of normalizing it um, in a very broad, broad and, broad and um, positive way. Um, I personally have never seen a comic book that has any character that is knowingly living with HIV. Um, so having, having a whole series of comics that includes HIV as a subject matter um, is pretty big in my, in my opinion, in my eyes. Um, just because it, it's another way that we can just sort of have conversations or open up the conversation so that more people are talking about it. Because that is the thing I think that fuels stigma more than anything. Um, is where we kind of hide it away and we decide to stop talking about it because it's either shameful or it's private or it's to some people um, gross and immoral. Um, but in, in no way um, is it any of those things because it's, it's just a medical condition. Um, it's no different than asthma. It's no different than diabetes. And we're not, and it, it's in a way no different than living with cancer. And in, in no way do I see any or most of those um, um, being stigmatized in a, in a way that's so specific and so, um, so I guess, grotesque in, in the way that people sort of depict a person living with HIV. Because there's very, very um, graphic language that people can use and will use in terms of somebody living with HIV. Um, and, and I think finding ways to spread new language to talk about people living with HIV, realistic language um, of, of people living with HIV um, and spreading that language about in as many ways as possible um, is, is, can only be beneficial in my eyes. Nice. Thank you. Um, a, uh, so, so I see that on page eight, I'm, I'm, can you like tell us what's going on here? I see someone, you know, I see the U equals U, what is prep? It looks like somebody's like kind of like, it's like it looks like a tabling event that the ACE team clinic is, is, is having and, and someone's like signing and, and getting some literature. But then I see like, you know, some other characters in the bottom and I see like syringe and uh, someone feeling lost that they, you know, they're not a part of the community. Can you kind of tell us what's going on here? I think for me that it is kind of where I see the sort of turning point in accessing care. You know, there's the, um, there's always kind of a phase, you know, like of like 
the steps that you're going to go through in any kind of any journey that you're on. I can't, I, I can't think of anything that a person it might be trying to cope with or deal with, you know, that, that they're not going to go through a series of, of general changes in figuring out that transition. Um, with HIV specifically, I, I, I thought about, I thought a lot about like what is, what seems to be the shift and what does that shift look like for different people? Um, because outside of talking about the barriers to care, I want to like the comic is about living well. And, and if we're living well, the, the point of that is that like, for some people, this might just feel like another thing that we're going to do. And like, great, I live well, this is just another thing that I do. And like, like, good for you. Thumbs up. That's fantastic. And for other people, um, this feels super hopeless and feels like a really terrible experience. And like, how am I going to get through this? Um, but the question was like, how do they live well? And, and there are turning points and everybody's turning points. You know, some people's, um, might look like a kid being like, wow, my teacher really doesn't seem to get it. So I'm going to go find somebody that gets it. And they're confident and they're, they're ready to find that information if they're not just getting it. And then for other people, that turning point is like, I have never felt so low in my life and I don't know what I'm going to do about this. And just like finding one thing or person that's like, well, maybe we can take baby steps, you know, like maybe um, talking to somebody at a syringe exchange that, that knows a little bit about prevention can have some conversations with you and meet you where you're at. And like, maybe, um, you know, like we're women, this has always been hard for us. We're going to figure this out. We're going to go see another doctor. Cause that guy sounds a little, you know, awful. Um, or, or just, you know, the general turning point always looks different. It might be somebody saying, I feel like I've lost everything and I got to figure out how to pick up some things. Um, or it could just be somebody being like, I guess I got to take medication now, you know? Um, and so I really want to just sort of that wide array of like, even if it feels hopeless, uh, living well isn't off the table. It just looks a little bit different getting there. Um, so that was kind of that page. And I, and I wanted them to all be sort of like in this montage because like they are um, all experiencing these really drastically different scenarios and experiences. But in a weird way, we're also like in this together, you know, like we're on this same journey, you know. Um, so figuring out how to like really portray that these people are alone but together was important. I didn't want anybody's story to be like isolated to their page. I wanted them to be like going through this journey on the same timeline. Um, so that even while we're reading it, we know that they're all going through something, but they're like unbeknownst maybe even to the characters themselves. They're not going through it by themselves. Wow. It's so really cool to, to, to speak to, to you both, um, JNA, um, and just knowing that you're not in New York city and, and like, you know how we like, it's just so close like it just seems like it's almost like you're also saying my story right um you know at the last i'm looking at the last page right here and i'm seeing AIDS isn't over for any of us until it's over for all of us can you tell us a little bit before we wrap up like what you know what made you want to end like this um with the advocacy piece so it, it goes back to sort of instilling this inspiration for for people who aren't living with hiv to be better allies um and for, for a lot of, of people, they don't recognize or don't um, want to fully 
recognize that it's still a problem or it's still an issue that a lot of people are, are living with and that they're going to continue to live with because the medication works so well. Um, and that even though there's still a whole lot of, of work being done on the prevention side and there's a lot less people being infected every year, um, there, there are still hundreds of thousands of people who are getting that, that reactive test, they're getting that positive test result. Um, and, and there are people who are able to just fully ignore that. Um, and I, I think it's really important to continue to have that conversation and to continue to have that fight, to bring it to the forefront, to bring it to every table, um, to make people recognize that it's, it's not over, that we're still, we're still living with HIV, um, we're still, um, thriving and that we're still talking about it and we hope that other people will start talking about it too. Yeah, well said. I, um, yeah, I think for me, I, I think the, the last page was a lot of um, just really admiring a lot of the, the protests and a lot of the history uh, surrounding ACT UP and, and Visual AIDS Project really and, and just like all of these things um, throughout our history that have really led to our ability to say like, yeah, we live well, or have even led to like young people's ability to think that this is a thing in our past even. Um, but that I also like, I, I think that in honoring, honoring all of the fight that has gotten us to this point um, in the general worldwide HIV journey, I think acknowledging that there's like, there's, still fight left to be fought. Um, there are still people to think about, um, people to work harder for. Um, and I, and I think that particularly for a comic form and for inevitably young people that might be picking it up and reading it, I think it's really important for young people to know, uh, that a, it's not hopeless, but I think it's really important also for them to know that there's like a very rich history here and, and, um, that we need to carry that history moving forward, like on our backs throughout the work that we do going forward. Um, I think it's really easy for young people who, who didn't live through that to, to really um, lose a little bit of sight of that. And I think it's important for us who are kind of in that middle ground between young enough, <laughs> but uh, also old enough um, to, really, to really hold that and, and insist that that's not a piece that we let go of. Amazing. I want to thank you. Uh, this was like so amazing and it ends beautiful. Um, I see a smile. Um, I'm smiling. I'm also getting goosebumps. So this was great. Uh, kudos to you both. Thank you, Johnny. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a really, really cool chat. You might be wondering about the title, Strip AIDS 2020. It comes from a comics anthology produced in 1987 by Don Melia and Lionel Gracie Whitman. The original strip aids gathered together a broad cross-section of both the underground and mainstream comics communities, all of whom donated new and existing strips about HIV-AIDS in a show of solidarity and support and to raise funds for London Lighthouse, an innovative care center and hospice for people with HIV and AIDS in London, UK. One particularly memorable entry into the anthology was by British Marvel Comics cartoonist Alan Davis and writer Richard Starkings. In it, a blonde, chiseled Superman flies from outer space down to Earth and is met by adoring onlookers on a busy city street. Everyone adores him when a whisper passes through the crowd. 
Soon, everyone has turned away, and he is left alone. The caption reads, Flight, super speed, laser vision, ultrasonic hearing. His fans would say that there is nothing he cannot do, but they would be wrong. He is not invulnerable. He can be hurt, injured, made sick, infected, and he hasn't got a power that can combat bigotry and prejudice. He can't save them from their fear of the unknown. They have to do that for themselves. The anthology inspired a U.S. version published in 1988, titled Strip AIDS USA, edited by Trina Robbins, Bill Sienkiewicz, and Robert Triptow. Strip AIDS 2020, curated by Paul Samet, is part of a larger exhibition looking at comics and HIV that would have taken place this past summer in NYC. The show is being rescheduled, and a new date will be announced in 2021. In the meantime, stay tuned for new podcast episodes each week as we dive into the three other comics that are part of Strip AIDS 2020. And don't forget to check out the rest of the project at visualaids.org comics, where you can also see links to other works by the artists involved. Finally, I want to give a big thank you on behalf of Visual Aids to Jay Amaro, A. Andrews, and Johnny Guailupo, and a special thanks to Tamara Oyola Santiago for her advice on this episode. Thanks also to Fletcher Allison, who recorded and edited this episode, and Paul Samet for curating the project. You can find out more about Visual Aids work at their website, visualaids.org, on Facebook at Facebook slash Visual Aids, and on Twitter and Instagram at visual underscore aids. Strip AIDS 2020 was funded in part by the New York Community Trust DIFA Fund. The Strip AIDS 2020 website and this podcast is funded in part by Humanities New York, with support from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Until next time, I'm Alexandro Segade.